Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Wow. You guys sounded great today. My goodness. Hey, thank you for being here this morning. Welcome to Joliet First. Uh, wow. Can we just thank our worship team this morning? Uh, they did a, wow, what a fantastic job. Uh, I don't know why you've come this morning or why you're here, uh, but my guess is if, if you're like everybody else that is here, you have something in your life that you're working on. You have something in your life that you feel is holding you back, is holding you down, and that's why we're doing this series, The Good and Beautiful Life. And our goal today, our goal today is not to hurt you, but to help you and to bring you hope. That's the whole point, is to break every chain that seems to be holding you back in life. And so we are in our second week of this series, The Good and Beautiful Life. Uh, last week, last week was a great start. We talked, we asked this question, what kind of life are you building? What kind of life are you building? And, and we had you leave with a pen and a piece of paper, and we had you write out the life that you would want to live. You wrote a letter to God last week, and you told him the life that you wanted to live. And this was a vision statement. It was a vision-casting statement about where you wanted to go in life with God's help. And so today, I'm looking forward to today, because I think for many of us, uh, this is a gospel many of us have never Heard. And i got to be honest, this is one of my favorite subjects, but it is one of the most difficult things to talk about. Uh, and so I'm really nervous. If you would just pray that I could do God's words justice today, uh, that his, his spirit and his power would be within me as I speak to you today. Uh, if you would pray for that for me, I would, be, I would really appreciate it. So let's pray. Lord, we give thanks for this time, this time to honor you. We acknowledge your presence this morning. That you are a God who loves us and cares for us and has every intention to make our lives whole. To make us as we ought to be. To make us and to move us to the place that you created us to be. So we love you and we can't wait for the word that you have to share for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember when I was a kid and... Uh, we took a vacation. Uh, we decided to go to the mall that day. I don't know why you go to the mall on vacation, but we did. And we went out to lunch. And then we decided to do some shopping following. That's why you go to the mall, right? Um, so we decided to go into shoe store. I was probably six or seven years old. And I remember, I don't know if I was caught up. It was the 80s. I don't know if I was caught up in the new Velcro shoes that had just come out. Uh, but when I looked up, I recognized that I didn't no, a single soul, no pun intended, a single soul in the shoe store. Some of you got that. Ha ha. I realized that I was all alone. You've been there, right? You've been in a place where you've looked up and suddenly, suddenly you don't recognize any of the faces around you. And so what do you do? You go to the next aisle and you don't see them. And you go to the next aisle and the next aisle and the next aisle. And before you know it, every aisle has this, this, this building of fear with inside of you that whoever was with you just left you and they didn't care about you. And, and then they're not coming back. You remember this when you were a kid. You've been lost, right? Well, I remember that feeling, and it, w it was like a glacial melt in the mountains. I mean, it just started pouring down my face, and I, I ran outside of the store because I didn't see anybody in the shoe store um, that I knew, and 
I looked to the left and I looked to the right and I didn't see anybody. And I mean, it was just, just coming down my face. And so uh, a young lady who was working at a sucker kiosk came up to me and said, are you lost, sweetheart? Well, I don't have any parents around. I'm crying. I'm six years old. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> I think my parents just left me. And she said, well, why don't you come with me? Just come with me. So we went over to this sucker kiosk. She offered me. It was great. She offered me a sucker the size of my face. And, uh, but I was so distraught in the moment because I thought my parents had just left me forever. I mean, I, had only, I only saw strange faces, and I just thought it was strange that they would leave me. But now that I have kids, I understand why they would. Um, <laughs> You know this, right? So it wasn't about five or ten minutes. Uh, she was talking to me, just very kind and very sweet. And, um, and, and my parents came out. Out of the store next door. Right? I was freaking out, and they were literally right next door. They came out of the store next door with my siblings. And apparently the Velcro shoes were just too cool. I don't know what happened. But um, I was... I remember seeing their faces, and with inside of me, there was this, this joy. There was this elation, and, and I was just so excited because I thought they just left me, and they wanted to leave me, and luckily they didn't, and when I saw them, I was excited, and I remember, I remember the question that went through my mind. It was like, where have you been? Where have you been? And I didn't say this in a way that was angry or upset with them. It was almost like, oh my goodness, where have you been? I'm so happy. That, that life is better now because you are present with me. Life is better now because you are here in this moment. I had been missing you. And my guess is, in your life, you've had moments where you've expressed this. You say, where have you been? Right? You can think back to when you're high school, if, if you can remember back that far. Uh, when you knocked on the door, guys, you remember you knocked on the door and she opened the door. Or maybe, uh, ladies, you put on that dress and you walked down the stairs and you saw him for the first time. With your dad holding a gun to his head. No, I'm just kidding. But you remember. And then you went on that date or you went to that concert or you went on that walk or to the musical or whatever it was. And, and, and you started dating. And next thing you know, they're, they're your spouse. And you're thinking, where have you been all my life? Because with you, life is better. Students, I know I have students in here. Uh, if you're like me, you study really well. Uh, maybe you're not like me because maybe you study. Um, you study like all season long, all semester long for tests. And it seems like no matter how hard you study, no matter how hard you study, you just can't get an A. And so maybe recently with your um, recent exams and your finals over Christmas, before Christmas break, you put all your eggs in one basket. You studied, 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 studied. And all of a sudden, you got your paper back, and at the top was an A. And you're like, oh my goodness, where have you been? Life is better. Maybe, uh, maybe you've had an app that you recently downloaded. Um, I, you know, maybe you're just into downloading new apps, but you had an app who, that gave you more information, helped you find a location that maybe was kind of secluded, or helped you find somebody that you had been looking for all your life, and you're like, this app is amazing. It has made my life better, and I just can't live without it. And you're saying, where have you been? Or maybe you have an ailment that doctors for months have been trying to solve. You've been here. That's frustrating. You've got an issue with your body, and they don't know what it is, and they keep sending you places, but then you find that one doctor. You find that one doctor who knows exactly what's going on with you. And here all along, 
they had the treatment right at their hands. And they give you the treatment and you feel better and you're thinking, oh my goodness, where have you been? This is a great, great question. It's not really a question because it's a statement that expresses something that's positive. It's something that's positive. In fact, where have you been expresses this, that, that because uh, where have you been expresses that life is better. It expresses that something is better in life. And the reason it is better, the reason where have you been is a, a better, a life better statement is because it expresses that something in your life is no longer missing. That there was something in your life, there's a resolve to what was missing in your life. There was an absence, there was something that just didn't feel right, or maybe you felt like, oh man, there's just a void and I can't figure out what it is. And all of a sudden, when that's filled, when that's filled with something that makes your life better, you say, say it with me now, where have you been? But there's one exception to that. Some of you know where I'm going with this. There's one exception to this question, and it actually has to do with God. I think for so many of us, the question of where have you been when it comes to God is not actually a declaration of what, have, what is better. It's actually a derogatory statement that basically says literally what it says. Where have you been? Right? Remember that prayer that you prayed or that thing that you asked for from God or that moment that where you just really needed him to show up? And he didn't show up or he didn't answer that prayer. And you've been asking this question. And not, not as a declaration, but as a derogatory statement to God. You said, where have you been? You've been there? You've been in this place? And maybe for you, maybe for you, when you started on your faith journey or you just became a Christian... You just felt like something was still missing. You, you weren't sure what it You just couldn't put a finger on it. And maybe you've been in the church your entire life, and you still feel like something is missing, and you just can't put a, a finger on it. Or maybe you've been taught things and expectations about your faith and about God that you're just like, I'm not, I'm not sure this makes sense to me. And you feel like something is missing. And for you, the, for you, the where have you been, which is supposed to be the better life, which is supposed to be the good news, right, that Jesus offers us and gives us, has really become, for many of us, just something that we are waiting for. The where have you been is just something that we are waiting for. And that is a problem for many of us, because it's just an anticipation of something to come. And for so many of us, so many of us, there is a disconnect between what we're waiting for and what is happening right now. In fact, we've been taught over the course of our lives that much of our faith and much of what we believe in and much of what we do is an anticipation of the future. But you're saying, what does heaven have to do with what's happening right now? And so for so many of us, there is this void. We feel like there's something missing because if the gospel is good news, then why is it not available in this moment? Why does it feel like it's something we have to wait for in the future? And so our goal today is to get you to a point where you don't feel like there's this void or there's this absence or you're asking, where have you been in a derogatory way? But at the end of this message, at the end of this talk, you would be saying, oh my goodness, where have you been? I'm hoping that we can get there today. It may be a push. 
I just don't know that I can do it justice. But the reason, the reason, and I've alluded to it, the reason why so many of us struggle with our faith, the reason why so many of us feel like there's a gap between what we believe and what we experience, the reason why, the reason why we don't fully understand the good news is because it's a gospel many of us have never heard. It's a gospel that many of us have never heard. And I'm going to share some of my experience at the end of this message. But you can believe it or not, Jesus has a few things to say about it. After all, he is the good news, and so he shares the words out of his mouth. And so we're going to look at those today, and we're going to be looking at a, a few words that he shares with us. Uh, and Matthew, this, this wonderful writer uh, who shares about Jesus' life, tells us the words that he has to say. And if you're not familiar with Matthew, Matthew used to be, it's believed he was a tax collector, uh, really bad guy. Everybody hated him. Everybody from the community couldn't stand him. But Jesus, I love this. Jesus invites him, invites him, and that's a key word for today. He invites him to follow. He does, and he becomes one of the most prolific writers when it comes to the life of Jesus. And Matthew has experienced what Jesus is going to talk about today. And so Matthew hinges his entire message. He hinges his entire message on this one idea. He banks everything, the foundation of what he's writing, on this one idea. Because not only has he experienced it, but he believes it. And he saw it in the life of Jesus. And so that's why Matthew writes about it. In fact, everybody always tells new Christians, you just should go read the book of John. Well, it's a good book, but it's deep. Oh my goodness, it's so deep. And I like to point people to the book of Matthew because if I can get people to get this idea before anything else, life will be better. In fact, you won't wind up in a faith 20 years later saying, where have you been? And so before we get to Jesus' words, I want you to know that, that Jesus has just gone through a where have you been kind of moment. In fact, he's been in the desert. He's been gone for 40 days, not eating, not drinking. He's been tempted by the devil. He's been praying. He's had this wandering experience. I guarantee there were a lot of questions. He's been tempted to feed himself. He's been tempted to become the most powerful person in the entire world. And, you know, at, at the cost of his soul and his life and everything that God has called him to do. And so he has this faith uh, father experience with, with his, his father that sort of points him and directs him to the most important thing. And I guarantee it's out of this where have you been kind of experience. Jesus now wants to point us to, oh my goodness, here it is. Here it is. And because of this statement, because of what Jesus is about to say to us, life, life, the good and beautiful life that you were meant to live, suddenly becomes more apparent. So, Matthew says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Now, I want to stop here, right? Because when I say the word preach, uh, for many of you, that is not a positive word that comes to mind, right? In fact, for you, preaching has been about sitting in a pew and some person standing in front of you who acts or thinks like they're better than you, and they just talk down to you. And so it's never really been a good experience for you. Preaching is always about making you feel bad, like you don't measure up. And you know, I got to be honest, I'm sure to some degree, uh, I've done that before. And so let me just apologize for those times that I've done that. That was never my intention. Just always excited, but never my intention to preach down to you because I am in the same place as you. Uh, but we, we kind of have this negative connotation with preaching. And not only that, but 
in preaching, there is always one idea. There's always this one thing that, that pastors or preachers or teachers or uh, people who speak a lot always rail on, right? Uh, if you've been with any pastor for any time, you know that they tend to say the same things, and I do too. And I'm sorry about that. I just have nothing fresh and new to say to you. Um, so, but the thing I, wanted, I want you to take away from this is, yes, Jesus does have one thing. But Jesus didn't just preach it. I love it. I love it. He proclaims it. See, the word, the word preach is actually proclaimed in the original language, which is a lot different than somebody standing up here making you feel bad about yourself. I'm pretty sure that's not good news. But proclaiming has a connotation of good news because people who proclaimed in Jesus' day were representatives. They were messengers from, guess what? The king. So Matthew is pointing at the life of Jesus and he's saying, listen, this is a message from the king about the one who actually rules the world. This is good news. And it's pretty exciting. So uh, Matthew tells us he went out and he began to pro proclaim. And listen to what he proclaims immediately after Jesus says this, or Matthew says that He says, repent. And I know your hearts just sank. <laughs> You're like, oh my goodness. Like, I thought you said this was the gospel I've never heard. I thought you said this was good news. Like, I've been down this road, Brad. This is why I left the church in the first place. Is because, repent, I get it. I'm supposed to feel sorry for my sins. I'm supposed to feel miserable about who I am as a person. And then, you know, I'll ask for forgiveness. And, like, I get, let me just say this. Before you walk out or before you head down the road or before you check out because you think you understand what repent is, let me just say this. And I've alluded to it just a second ago. You might have to repent from your understanding of repent. And here's what I mean. Jesus does not mean, Jesus does not mean to us that repenting means quitting all your bad habits, otherwise you're going to go to hell. Repent does not mean uh, uh, if you don't do these exact things that I'm asking you to do, uh, you're just not in. You see, repent is not a threat. It's an invitation. Repent, write that down now, repent is an invitation. See, you've been in the church, and repent has always been a threat for you. And that's why the gospel has never been attractive to you. It's because you're always being told how bad you are. But Jesus says, good news, I tell you, repent. I'm inviting you into something more. And what's fun, and what's fun about this word repent, it actually means metanoah, which means to change your thinking. Which actually was why I said repent from you understanding of repent. You need to change your thinking about changing your mind. Really confusing. But Jesus is inviting us to change our minds. He's wanting us to change our minds. And you're saying, change your mind about what? What are you wanting us to change our mind about, Jesus? You, you've just come out of this experience, and these are really profound words. What is it we need to change? And he says, you don't get it, right? That that you've been taught there is a God who is out there and he's off in the distance and he's aloof and he's just unchanging and angry and you, he's, he's wanting all these sacrifices from you and he just wants you to fear him and, and literally everybody felt like their faith was about a threat. 
And Jesus says, let me change your mind about what's really happening, about the God who's ruling the world. That there is a God in charge that cares about you, that is present with you, who understands you, and he's inviting you, I love this, to intimacy and interaction. That's different than the God that the people of Jesus' day ever knew. This may be a different invitation to the God you've experienced. Do you have intimacy? Do you have interaction with God? And I would say this, if you don't, there's still hope. Don't give up on it. Don't stop just yet because Jesus is drawing you in. He's saying, come with me, repent. I'm inviting you into something different. I want you to change your mind about how life can be lived right here in this moment. And so then Jesus says, Jesus says, the where have you been moment we've all been waiting for. And I love this because it's going to change our minds about the way we think about everything. In fact, Jesus wants this to become the foundation it becomes the purpose of why we believe, and it becomes the foundation of our faith. This is what repenting and invitation and changing your mind is all about. And he says this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. You're saying, what is so profound about that? I've heard that before. You see, much of, much of our faith has been about us being sorry. It's been about us feeling threatened. And someday, if we are sorry enough and we feel threatened, threatened enough, there is a heaven that will await us. Is that what you've been taught? Is that what you've been told? If you're sorry enough, if, you're, if, you, if you don't measure up enough, if, if you just you do the right things, that there is a heaven that awaits you. And for many of us, including myself, growing up in the church, it's all been taught that faith is not about what's going on here, but it's actually about what's going on out there. It's about the thing that awaits us in the future. And so many of us, so many of us live lives that look nothing like Christ's life because we are so focused on what's out there that we don't realize that God's story is about what's going on right here. Notice that Jesus says, it is near. It is right in front of you. It's right in front of your face. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. He says, I've come to give you new life. I want to be the light in the darkness for you. I want to be the hope that you've always been waiting for. And I'm inviting you to, to quit thinking, quit thinking, repent of how the world is being run by the empire and the people who rule over us. But I want you to think about the world differently. That perhaps hope comes out of the most broken places in the world. Perhaps love or winning in life has nothing to do with violence. Perhaps your anger or your anxiety 
or that past marriage or whatever it may have been that you struggle with over and over and over again. I have come in this moment to give you victory over that pain. This is a life not for you in the future, not a heaven that you'll experience someday, but this is something that is near in this moment. And I know some of us are like, this still doesn't connect. And I know, and I'm sorry. So the only way I can, I can tell you is the way that I, I've experienced it. I remember Shane. Many of you have met Shane. He was my good friend. We had dinner at his house, and uh, we, you know, we, we did uh, ministry together, and he was my pastor for like three years. It was great. But we were at his house one night, and we were eating dinner, and when we got done, we went in the living room, and there was a big group of us, and we were sitting there, and Shane asked this question to me. He said, what if heaven is here? Now, this is my BC days, so you'll have to forgive me. But I said, excuse me? What did you say? And he said, what if heaven is here? And I remember, I remember the words like it was yesterday. I said, well, if heaven is on earth, oh yeah, by the way, the very prayer that Jesus prays. If heaven is on earth, then that's a pretty blanked up heaven. I said that in front of my pastor. That's a pretty blanked up heaven. And I said, if that's the kind of heaven that that kind of God wants to bring, that's a pretty blanked up God. And guess what? If that's what it's all about, I want nothing to do with that kind of God. Yeah, I said that to my pastor. <laughs> but you know what was great is little did I know that over the next few months, little did I know that my vision of the future of walking the streets of gold would suddenly become a present reality in my own life. You know, Shane would sit down with me and he'd, say, he, he'd just start pointing me to the scriptures, the, everything that referenced the kingdom of God, and he would ask me questions. And little did I know, but his presence, his faithfulness to me was an example of heaven present. You ever had somebody that was understanding and patient with you? You ever had a moment where you didn't deserve grace, but somebody gave you grace? Right? You've, been, you've been here? That's what Shane did for me. He, he sat down with me, and he would just ask questions. And he wasn't demeaning. He wasn't preaching at me, but he was proclaiming something that was good in my life. And so little by little by little, he began to address. He addressed the people I was angry with. He addressed the people that I needed to forgive in my life. He helped me see that the kingdom of God was about becoming an advocate for people who needed help and love. Not hating them, not pushing them away, not telling them to pull their, them up by their bootstraps and to, to get a life and just go out and work harder. No, 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 no. Shane helped me understand that it was a life lived around grace and love. And then as soon as I started to forgive, and as soon as I let go of the anger, and as soon as I let go of the dream about a future heaven, and as soon as I let go of my own wants and desires in life, suddenly, suddenly the life of Jesus began to make sense. In fact, it was as if, it was as if Jesus' words came alive to me. And the more I read, the more engaged I became, and the more I talked to Shane, the more I began to understand that my faith, this kind of faith, is different than what I had experienced my entire life. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, where have you been? 
I want that experience for you. I really do. Especially if you feel like, mm, I'm not there. There's a disconnect. I, I, this doesn't make sense. Or, or I feel like I just want to walk out because I'm, I'm just done with God. I'm asking, where is he? I, I want this to connect for you. So here's what I want you to know today. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the good news, the gospel, the where have you been moment in our life is not about getting us to heaven. It's about getting heaven into us. So if you don't hear anything today, this is what I want you to know. The kingdom of God. The good news for you, the good news for me, the good news for everybody here who feels like they are being held down, like they have changed in their life, the good news for you is it's not about a future goal. It's not a life that you're going to live someday out there. It's not about getting us to heaven. It's about getting heaven. It's about getting Jesus into you. That is, my friends, the good and beautiful And here's what I know. If you'll just say yes, not to a religion, not to a church, not to a formality or some kind of faith. If you'll just say yes to the life of Jesus. If you'll align yourself with the things he teaches and the things he tells us about how the world is supposed to be run. I'm telling you, heaven is near. Heaven will be experienced for you. And here are the implications. When you begin to practice, and we talked about this last week, when you begin to practice these things that Jesus talks about, you become the new near for other people. Did you know the greatest insight to God that others can receive is through you? It's through the things that you do because of what Christ has done for you. Let me just say this. The kingdom of heaven is present. The more we present the life of Jesus in our life. The kingdom of heaven is present. The more we present the life of Jesus in our life. So I want to challenge you today. I want to push back on you today. That, that as you discover everything that Jesus says, and this is what this whole series is geared around. So this is why I need you to come back every week. Come back for more is that we want you to be, as, as people of this community, of people of joy at first, we want you to be the new near for people who need hope. That is our mission, is to be a community of hope for people in need of hope, for a lost and broken world. So, I hope that Jesus' words has bridged a gap for you. That the kingdom, the new life, the good life, is for you right now. So here's what I need you to do this week. Uh, when you walk out, you're going to get a card. Um, and this is the soul training exercise we want you to do. And you're going to say, how does this even relate? This week, uh, in order to enter into the kingdom and understand the kingdom, we want you to play again. What? For many of us, uh, life has become pretty serious. Uh, there's not a lot of fun. We don't... It's just... Straight ahead, we're on, we're on a go, we're on a mission. But what's interesting about play is you can't predict what's going to happen. Uh, I was playing hockey with my boys the other day in the gym and um, had some, their friends, it was really embarrassing. I don't think I've fallen in a long time. And I was just standing there and literally fell over. 
hurt my back. Unexpected. And that's the whole point of play, right? Play is, uh, everything is unexpected. You can't anticipate what's going to happen. And so the whole point of play is about learning to trust, right? When we watch kids play or when we think about kids, they, they trust everything. That they're going to have a house, they're going to have food, they're going to have a roof over their head, their parents are going to take care of them. But learning to play is about you learning to trust. So I would encourage you this week, go bowling. I don't know. Go for a walk, if that's fun for you. Uh, toilet paper somebody's house. Or uh, throw snowballs at cars on Monday when they go by. I mean, that is fun stuff. Uh, if you need some more suggestions... I can give you some illegal ones, but um, I'm not going to do that up here. So totally kidding. Uh, But I want you to play this weekend. I want you to play this week. And as you begin to work through those experiences where things are unexpected or it's just, man, just think, oh, this is a moment of trust. This is a moment of trust. This is a moment of trust. This is what the kingdom is all about. So would you you play this week? And would you experience the kingdom of God? Because it's all about fun. It's about God bringing joy into your life. That's another reason. Would you do that this week? Let me pray for you. Lord, we give thanks for this day. We give thanks for a God who shows up in our midst. That's what Christmas is all about, is that God becomes tangible to us. That God becomes real to us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would recognize the life, the life that you offer is in this moment. It is right here. Love that. So this morning we come and we receive from your table, the means of grace, the means of grace that we don't deserve. In Jesus' name we pray.